millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That tune is a bop, SP3. Uh, welcome everybody to another week of Alex McCarthy's Wrestling Daily. As you can see, I am not being flanked by Louis Dango. I have got the much more handsome and American counterpart, SB3, in the house. How are you doing, True Hill Heat? I am doing well, sir. It is, I'm post-Thanksgiving out here in America, so happy belated Thanksgiving to all my fellow Americans and a start of the Christmas season. I, I'm in a festive mood. How about you? Uh, I'm good. I mean, uh, I'm probably not as bloated as you, I yes. assume, at this point. Um, but let me tell you something, I'm excited because um, gyms open again in the UK tomorrow. Um, I can't road run, man. My ankles are like paper mache. They're terrible from uh, years of football. So I can't wait to actually get on the treadmill where my ankles can handle it tomorrow morning. So that's cool. Yeah, we're coming out of lockdown here in the UK tomorrow. And the government's guidelines are weird heading into Christmas. But nonetheless, it seems like we're on the up. So, yeah. Things are all good my end. And of course, it's another week of Wrestling Daily for you guys. All of my good eggs out there. Thank you for joining us. Um, you know, when SB3 comes to town, we're going to be doing some debating. And the debate tonight is about the McMahon family. What is their value on TV past and present and moving forward? Uh, it's, a, it's a debate with lots of layers. So I'm very much looking forward to getting into that with my guy. Um, and of course, you know what we do here on the Wrestling Daily. We'll bring you some news as well. Uh, two bits of housekeeping. Remember, the very best part of the show, SP3, is those Ultra Chats. And you can see it right at the bottom there. Send in your messages and questions at wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestle2. Our lovely moderators will then take what you say, pass them along to me, and I will read them out on this show. So make sure you do it. Uh, I love getting popping with the Ultra Chats. It's my favourite. Um, secondly... People who may have tried to get hold of this on podcast last week may have noticed that uh, it actually wasn't up. That's because the guy who does that was on holiday last week. Unbeknownst to me, they were having a life. I uh, cannot blame them. So um, this week, though, all back to normal. You'll be able to catch up on all episodes on all of your usual podcast services. So fear not. You can have us in your ears once again. SB3, um, it's nice for me to have you on a Tuesday, a night after wrestling. Uh, normally it's the Wednesday slot and we're looking uh, ahead rather than behind. But tonight uh, we're coming off a, a Raw where, you know, Raw has taken a lot of criticism over the past couple of months. But maybe in the past couple of weeks they've had at least um, some segments that are worth people's time. And uh, there was a lot that kind of went on last night. I think the first report we need to get into before we actually get into what happened is the backstage chaos that we're led to believe is ensuing on Raw right now. Yes, so I, I believe it's Fightful Select. Uh, they reported that the script for Raw uh, just came came to, to fruition a couple of minutes before, I think about like 7.30, 7.45 in the uh, evening time, right before they went live. And a couple of, they had a couple of like backstage notes from uh, Fightful Select as well as PW Insider. They said the opening segment with Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss was 100% Vince McMahon's vision. 
Uh, it also says that the current creative for WWE is in the hands of Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard, as been previously uh, reported, and that Bruce Prichard is considered the most powerful person in WWE right now, other than McMahon family members. And creatively, everything flows through him at the moment. And his word is very much the gospel when it comes to uh, Vince McMahon. But last night, he was not actually present and that Triple H was in the position of Bruce Richard, and that, that was considered a breath of fresh air to most of the talent backstage. Wow. I mean, this script being changed prior to the show, very you know close to runtime, that's kind of nothing new for WWE. It's very almost strange that they operate that way, but... Alas, that they do. I know there's a lot of things going on and they've also got a lot of hours of TV in a week to fill. And I think the difference between them and Dynamite, where Tony Khan is so kind of meticulously laid ahead, um, would be that nothing can really get sorted until Vince McMahon looks at it. So it depends really how busy he is. You know, and on, I, I read on the show day, I think it was SmackDown last week, that he arrived at like 1230 which, you know, superstars have already been in the arena for about a few a few hours at that point. Um, right. So what they think they're doing, the writers are talking to them about, Vince might take a look at it and go, hmm, don't really like that. And then it ends up being a whole rewrite. And that's why we were talking about this the other week, the whole structure in WWE. And, and the, um, John Moxley has said that himself, the infrastructure is broken there, where there are so many different layers before you actually get to the people that decide what's going on. You can't go directly to those people most of the time. So it's kind of, you spend your day going back and forward, not really knowing. Um, so either way, what Raw had in their back pocket this week was a great triple threat match. They had Matt Riddle, Keith Lee and AJ Styles, which I think most of us would agree was a very fun match. Um, AJ Styles being a direction SP3. We had talked about this maybe being a mania opponent for Drew. I must say, judging by the promo talking about Roman Reigns yesterday, I'm having a hard time believing they're not lining up Roman and Drew. I don't know how exactly they're going to do it, but my instincts tell me Roman and Drew is where we're heading. I mean, I it's not it's not like WWE to like put something too far out ahead and the fact that he mentioned him and that a majority of his promo was about Roman, I can understand why you feel that way. I mean, I know you and Louis were talking about like WrestleMania opponents, and I, I said before to you to you that I put on my Vince hat when it comes to potential matchups and stuff like that. And I, I said it in the comments when you guys were commenting on AJ versus Drew for WrestleMania. I didn't see that as a WrestleMania matchup because I don't think Vince McMahon sees AJ Styles as a WWE championship challenger for WrestleMania. I said that, you know, I, I think that you and me were on the same page as far as the Sheamus story. That feels more like something that Vince McMahon wants. And the fact that we're getting this much of build and it's kind of a slow burn. Uh, we got a little bit more of like a push toward it with uh, Miz kind of being the antagonist and saying the inner thoughts of Sheamus about him being yeah. in the shadow of Drew McIntyre. That was a little bit pushed forward and a progression in the story. Uh, it made me feel like maybe we're not getting that at WrestleMania. That felt like more as like, okay, now they're pushing it very heavily. Maybe it's Royal Rumble, but I never saw AJ Styles at that as that guy. I feel like AJ has his heater in uh, almost, uh, which is interesting, and it's a new dynamic for him, but I didn't see that as a WrestleMania-type matchup. I think on paper and in the ring, it's WrestleMania quality for sure, but as far as in Vince McMahon's eyes, I don't see AJ Styles as that WWE Championship challenger. So I think that this match at TLC is going to be great. It's going to be excellent. But this is what I saw Vince McMahon doing more than WrestleMania. You know what's interesting about that as well is remember we did have AJ Styles and Shinsuke for the title at WrestleMania. I was there. And many... Many people felt, oh man, I wish I'd known you, but at this point, we're going to be tearing up New Orleans. Come on. Yes, man. man. Oh, and that, to anyone who hasn't been, by the way, um, the greatest place in the world. Um, yeah. But like, I'd actually rival it with Vegas in terms of Bur uh, Bourbon Street. But there you go. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, I was at that WrestleMania and I've, a lot of people were like, man, this is going to tear the house down. Obviously, we knew what they had done previously in Japan. <sighs> 
and it just it didn't quite hit the notes. I know that we ended up getting the Shinsuke heel turn and all of that stuff, but the match never really got into the top gear that you would have hoped that it would. And I, I, I wonder if Vince kind of, you know, again, he might have a totally different interpretation of that match. He might have, he, you know, he went on to have him fight at like the next two or three pay-per-views. So who knows? He might have liked it. But I wonder if that sticks in his mind and he thinks about AJ in that top spot. Um, you know, just ostensibly, you're looking at top heel, top baby face on your brands who are going to meet. That would mean you would gravitate AJ and Drew. But I know what you mean when it comes to WrestleMania. They normally do have different plans and seeds being sown. and They want to make the biggest matchups they possibly can, which still gives me a horrible feeling that Goldberg might be the guy they give to Roman. Um, and although, like, I would love Roman to just steamroll the hell out of Goldberg, I still don't really want to see Goldberg, full stop. But I don't want to see that match, right? So I've just got this... <sighs> Like you, you just said it, right? They don't often do things for nothing. And there's a lot of kind of, for Drew to kind of recap what's going on Roman and his unfinished business. And, you know, he talks about the war. It seems like they are going down that road. Sheamus feels like it would be Raw Rumble. And the timing would match up with the way that I look at it this week. I think that took a step forward and it probably will do on the road to TLC and beyond. But then who, that leaves a lot of questions. Like if you're going to, Presumably, The Miz has to cash in on Drew to make this happen. And Drew has to win the Rumble again. Or you know, he could get, I mean, they could move him over to SmackDown easily enough. Yeah. WWE, yeah, this is WWE we're talking about. They, they, they won't care. But at the same point, I don't know what that leaves you with The Miz with. What does The Miz face the Rumble winner? Like, and who is that? Is that a, is that a super baby face who's going to arrive and tear him down? You know, it, and I. This is another one that's getting very convoluted in my mind, but I'm going to do it anyway. You could have Big E win the Rumble and take on Miz because it would be a lot of poetic semblance when the Miz was kind of tearing into him on on Talking Smack, saying, you know, you need to change up a little bit if you want to be a top guy. That'd be a nice work way to get Big E to the main event picture. Would you like Big E to beat someone bigger for his first world title? Yes. Probably. Probably, but um, still, it'd be a way to get him there. And otherwise, I'm not sure who you do with The Miz that isn't underwhelming a little bit. And I'm a fan of The Miz, but you just said it yourself. Do I see, if I can't see AJ Styles in my main event, in my title match at Mania, do I see The Miz? I definitely don't. (laughs) I think think that, you know, we've had heard the reports that they're going to have Miz cash in money in the bank next year. So I think that maybe the night after WrestleMania is the best spot for that to happen. I Mm. don't see it happening before WrestleMania, especially if he's going to cash in successfully. I don't see The Miz in either the WWE or Universal Championship matchup. I just just can't see it that that way. A guy that two years ago versus Shane McMahon at WrestleMania 35 with his dad being the highlight of the entire match. I don't see that guy being in my WWE championship matchup two years later. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it, but I mean, the stars McIntyre is going to be great at TLC. That's, that's the first thing first. Uh, It's going to cap off a wonderful year for Drew McIntyre. Truly. Even stronger since the last time we talked about it, he's gone on to even bigger levels and Kenny, you know, Kenny Omega is going to do the same tomorrow night. I don't doubt. So um, two amazing years for two amazing talents. I think, they could just do champion versus champion, but that kind of negates the whole Royal Rumble stuff. So I feel like WWE will work to get us there. Otherwise, probably means we're not getting the rock, um, which many people would assume if it's not going to be at the uh, the new stadium in Inglewood anyway, Hollywood, essentially. So I don't know. There, there's a lot of things in play, but I like that. I can't really tell where they're going with it, um, but there are a lot of options, but they seem to want to go around the Drew and Roman route again. And I don't hate that. I'm just very intrigued as to how they get there. Um, so there we go. Let, let's get some ultra chats before we get to debate time, SB3. Uh, Matty the Hot Scott. Hey, man. Egg Benedict himself. Hey, Alex. Hey, SB3. Hope you've had a good day. I finished an essay that I've been working on all weekend. I've seen on Twitter someone say they didn't like the 2009-2010 Raw guest host era. Did you? And who was your favourite guest host? And who was your least? 
<clears throat> That's a loaded question. I, I didn't like the, I didn't like um I guess I didn't like the whole premise in general. Like I I, I don't I don't know. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't it just didn't do anything. Do you know what I mean? Like there were some cool moments like Bob Barker and Jericho and all that stuff, but like you know, didn't we have like the Muppets, Entourage, <laughs> Seth Green? Like there was, they're the ones that spring to my mind. There was no one like you know, nothing that really pushed the needle. I think didn't we have Tyson, and he did the thing with Jericho and DX. That's probably yeah. my favorite memory of that. I don't think it was a great era. That's that's. I, I will sit on that opinion. It wasn't a great era. It, it, there was a couple of a couple of decent spots. I, I would say it's arguable that 2009 was the worst year in Monday Night Raw history. I, I, I think that we can we can find another year to put that up against, and that could be a future debate right I, there. I think, but... yeah, I think 11 is close as well. That was well, well yeah, yeah. I mean, but the, at least 2011. <laughs> Yeah, 2011 had the Rock and Cena stuff. At least like 2009, we had the the overdrawn out uh, Cena versus Orton feud. We had before that Orton and, and Triple H and how it was great the first three months and then fell apart after that after WrestleMania. So there was stuff even at the top that was just bad about 2009. And then when you add in the whole guest host era. It's it's bad and probably the the worst incarnation of old man DX uh, was that year as well. But yeah. that that's besides the point. Um, to answer Maddie's question, my favorite guest host is probably Bob Barker. Uh, that's the first one that I thought of off the top of my head was him just talking about Chris Jer and Chris Jericho wearing the name tag with no shirt. Just so good, so so awesome. And the worst one would be Jeremy Piven. I am a a all-time entourage mark. I yes. love Ari Gold. Me Ari. too. I love entourage. See, we're, oh, kindred, we're kindred souls. I said this before. But Ari <laughs> Gold is one of the greatest TV characters of all time. So I was very excited for him to be on uh, on WWE. And I was like, maybe we get Ari Gold. Maybe he's a he's a he's an agent and he's going to try to sign the best WWE superstar. And then we had the Summerfest fiasco. So he is by far because my expectations were here and it immediately went down within minutes of him being on the screen. What a strange career Jeremy Piven's had, really, when you <laughs> when you when you think about it. Uh anyway, anyway, moving away from that. Thank you, Matty. We appreciate that getting us off to a hot start. Uptown Avondale, there's a good egg. Hey man. Yes. Good evening to yourself. Uh WWE consistently puts groups and feuds together based on race. Is this okay because diversity is getting airtime, or is it systematic issue that creative needs to address? That's a very good question. Um, because I love like the hurt business, I love the new day. And I don't think that they've just like the new day wanted to be together. So you can't say like, oh, they were put together because they were, they're black. And I think it's the same for the Hurt Business. MVP, as far as I'm aware, picked who he wanted to be with. And then I get it when you start going, all right, well, then you putting them against um, Street Profits and things like that. And it just seems like they're going around in circles. I, I understand. And I can't really speak to WWE's booking, but I do think, it's a lot better. And really, if you take race or creed out of it, we've just got more talented people on Raw right now. And it just so happens that a lot of them are African-American, right? Or black, whatever, whatever you want to say. So I never look at it. I never look at a segment and I'm like, oh, man, you know, two white stables or two black stables. I don't really drink it in like that. Um, and I think now in WWE, and you can, this probably goes across the broad, the broad, the broad, Say it again, Alex. Across the board to uh, NXT as well, you know, let's look at Liam Ruff, for instance, right? There's probably more wrestlers in prominent spots of in WWE than ever before that are black. So to me, that's a good thing. How they handle it then moving forward and to the very top is probably another question because, you know, you could argue in the past, and I'm looking at Booker T and Triple H at Mania here, that um, it hasn't been done well. Uh, but again, you know, SB3, you'd be more qualified than I to talk on such a matter. 
funny enough, I could use this as a as a plug. I actually contributed to uh, Laurie Blake. He's doing on Parts for Unknown, uh, one of his Explained series talking about Kofi Mania. And I addressed how kind of diversity in WWE is much better than it was when I was growing up as a kid, when you had like the nation of domination playing off of the black Panthers, you had Harlem heat. And I was a big Harlem heat fan because I'm from Harlem. And then Mm. to find out that they're from Houston and they just put them from Harlem because (laughs) black people are from Harlem. So, (laughs) so I will say diversity and the presentation of African-American characters as well as uh, Hispanic characters are much better than it's been in years in WWE. But I get where Uptown Avondale is coming from. It seems that not just the the groups, but who they face, it's really dictated about the race. Because before the Hurt Business was going up against the New Day, they were going against against Apollo Apollo Crews and Ricochet. There seems to be a theme there. If you look at earlier in the year, the United States title, which was funny enough, they kind of uh, was playing off of the whole U.S. and diversity, but they made the whole whole bunch of feuds about Latinos with Rey Mysterio up against Andrade, up against Angel Garza, up against uh, Humberto Carrillo. Carrillo. Then after that, it progressed to the whole Hurt Business versus Apollo Crews. Now we got uh, Hurt Business versus New Day. So I do get where he's coming from. That It feels like the minorities are segregated into their own feuds and that they're not uh, populating outside of that. That's why I'm a big fan of Matt Riddle versus Bobby Lashley, which was kind of tease because I thought they were going to go with Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley. And I was like, you're just continuing this whole process, which it seems to be only African-Americans could be in one feud at a time. Spread it out. There's They are talented in so many ways and they can go against guys like AJ Styles, like Drew McIntyre, like Riddle. Spread it out a little bit more so I get where Uptown Avondale is coming from. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point. It's a great point Uptown Avondale makes. And also, you know, like Lashley did feud with McIntyre earlier this year for the belt. Yeah. Keith Lee got the clean win over Orton and stuff. It's not as if like it's exclusive, exclusively like that, but I do get what you mean. The, re- the repetitive feud, certainly... They do seem to go, right, Let's we've got these in a bunch over here, and that's however many weeks of TV. And then, you know, like I said, they get, they get written the day of, and they're like, oh, okay, we'll chuck them in there. Also, yeah. um, Ali was in that before Retribution. He was kind of in that Ricochet, Cedric yeah. band as well, and obviously um, his descent is different too. So uh, I don't think um, – I don't know how much thinking is really behind it. And, and if anything, that could probably be the problem that they don't think that that's an issue. But then I'd, I'd, I don't know. You I'd have to, I'd like to really speak to the performers and see what they think about it. Cause yeah. you know, I, um, a lot of them were, especially working together. I know from everyone I've spoken to that that was like what they wanted. Right. So you have to wonder if, if they think that's a thrill to be able to do that alongside each other and showcase and whatever, or I don't know. It's a very, very good question with a, like a long winding road, of, of answers and stuff that really are above our pay grade. But um, it I think what you just said there, man, you could get like a whole broad group of people to really talk about that um, in WWE too. That'd be really yeah. good. You've put an idea in my head for when I next speak to somebody in WWE. I, I do think that's a good topic. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, let's talk about the next ultra chat then. That is from Bo Hill. Here he is. He loves his theoreticals. Bo Hill, Egg Benedict. <laughs> how are you, my friend? Uh, you are starting a new promotion. He's, he's off the job. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's done it. Uh, draft two men and two women. They will lead your division going forward. So uh, factoring age, injury risk, etc. And be your first feud. Okay. Who do you choose? Um, so Bo Hill has gone with Will Ospreay and Jay White. And his women... Are Rhea Ripley and Sasha Banks? That's a that's a very strong start. Um, boy, factor in age. Rhea Ripley's a great one because she's like twenty three. Yeah, it's a very very. And, and we've discussed Sasha Banks before as well. Like twenty eight, even though she's accomplished so much. So crazy. It's you could almost not pick better than those two women. Um, I do think that's very good. If I, to, I always hate these start your own promotion because, like we, we said about this the other the other day, right? Like, there's a part of you that's like, well, you know, Brock Lesnar. Okay, you wouldn't based on the age and whatever, but people would know your promotion immediately. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's a good basis to get off of. And then whoever you, if Brock is your number one male, whoever your two is, presumably is the one who will go over in that feud and end up being your number one. Um, so it could work. It could work. Uh, like MJF is only 24, 25, 24. Yep. I think he'd be one of mine, I think, just because he's a great heel as well. And I would partner him with... Gotta have a good baby face to go against. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, but somebody who's resilient and can come back and face MJF again and and work it out. I uh, obviously the, the names that rush into my mind are like the Romans and Seth and you know, Kenny or John Moxley, but it's yeah the age thing and like the you know the, the, the parameters you've put on us uh <laughs> Hill, they are they are getting me. Um so I, I will I will go with the women uh, like I said before, I'm a big fan of Tony Storm, and she's so young. She's young. I, I just think that she has so much talent. I would go with Tony Storm and Io Shirai. And can't, can't, can't lose. <laughs> can't lose there. No. And my men, because I got to go with someone who's relatively young, but at the same time, I want to go with someone that's in their that prime. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm doing it, I'm here in the U.S. So if I start my promotion in the U.S., off the top of my head, there's there's one feud that's money, and it hasn't been done in the U.S. And I would go Okada Omega. Yeah, and Okada's young. Okada's yeah. I think only 31, 32 years old. So is he? Yes. Wow, I did not know that. I thought he yeah. was like mid thirties. Um, I, I believe I, I'm I literally I'm literally Wikipediaing it right now. <laughs> uh, thirty three. Okay, so he's, he's only he's only just turned thirty three in November. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, man, like I said, he can have like seven years of his he meant ten years of his prime. Wow. Exactly. Um, I mean, th- there's a big part of me that, and I don't know if I'd make him this my centerpiece, but Tyler Bate is like twenty two or three now yeah you know him and mjf could be like like that together and i i've said this before i think tyler bate is one of the best wrestlers in the world now not young and gonna be now he's putting on you know his classic stand up against anybody else's over the past two years or so so yeah i um ah. Uh, and then I think about the women. You, you're very smart picks. Tony Storm's 25. Io Shirai's 30, I believe. Again, lots of window there. Um, I honestly don't know if I could pick better. I, I would. 
I'd potentially do Tony Storm and Sasha. That's that's great. <laughs> I, I I would potentially go like that. Um, yeah, I'd, I, it's very hard to say four because I'm thinking in my head like diversity and like box office. No, there's like all kinds of stuff I'm thinking about. Yeah, but with four people, it's really difficult. Um, but yeah, that's where I would go. It's a good question once again, Bo Hill. You love putting us on the spot like this, and I highly love it too. Um, Chris Petrou, hey brother. Uh, once again, hot take. Oh well. Eddie no. Kingston had the most unexpected and one of the best pushes in 2020. Thoughts? Can't argue with that. Um, it was unexpected, but not not because of for lack of talent or anything. Like he's he's always had it. It was just the platform and the stage. Um, I feel like the main component here is working with Moxley. Um, and not, I don't mean that in the way that Moxley brought him up. I mean that they are close friends in real life, and they have that chemistry. They have that chemistry and respect, and it was the perfect feud for him to get spotlighted on. Like if you do Kingston and Jericho, it's still great, but it's not the same. Like this brought out the most in Kingston, for my opinion. SB three. I, I gotta agree with you. Like they just had a certain chemistry to, to, with them, and the fact that we only got two matches from them, it leaves a lot of meat on the bone as far as the the feud that they can go back to it they could potentially become teammates become friends again so and we saw we saw not only is he a great main event heel we saw in a lot of his promos that he has the potential to be a big time baby face and it came out of nowhere because this guy created his whole opportunity he just cut a promo at an independent show saying cody's having all these open challenges against independent stars i want to be one of them cody saw it they brought him in. Moxley was a response. A lot of had a lot to do with that as well. Bringing him in for that one one time it was supposed to be a one off, and he just stole the show of that episode, cutting a great promo at the start of the show, having a great match with Cody, and then from there he got signed. That's why I do agree. It just came out of nowhere, and even though he's been in professional wrestling for so long and we've known that he's great for so long. If you've been a fan of him independent wise, and me being on the East Coast, I've seen eddie kingston for over a decade now i know he's this good but just how it came out of nowhere he has to be considered one of the breakout stars of 2020 yeah absolutely um you know i keep seeing jacob fatu wanting the shot of cody or like he had talked about getting on the tnt title that's something i'd like to see as well i just want to bring this up from our good friend chris g johnson jabronis himself uh I'm still upset they turned my Puerto Rican brothers into matadors <laughs> with a tiny ball and then timeshare salesmen. People forget about that. People forget <laughs> that they were timeshare salesmen in Puerto Rico. They were strolling around with brochures and everything. <laughs> Who pitched that? I need to know. I need to know. Didn't they drop that like immediately? They dropped that immediately. Oh like, my yeah, god! Like, like a month, I'm sure of it. Like, and they were trying to sell to um, oh, what were they? You know, the, the wasteland. What was that tag team? Uh, was it the uh, Ascension? Yes, they were trying to sell yes. to the Ascension. Like, who's this helping, man? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> you gotta, you gotta love Christie and his love, his love of uh, Puerto Ricans. Oh. Yes. Absolutely. absolutely and you know what like now while we're on the subject like the, the colognes like that that's like a legendary name why couldn't you just let them be the colognes and let them work like like why did wwe like trip over themselves sometimes and go no we can't do that like we can't have mr perfect son big knowledge is mr perfect son we're gonna have to make him matthew mcgillicuddy and um come on like yeah you know, the age know. of mcgillicuddy one of the great botch promos of all time <laughs> On, on that NXT episode, I still go back and laugh at that every once in a while when I need a laugh. I just watch the Age of McGillicuddy promos, but um, I don't know. I don't. I don't get why WWE just don't allow these people to be themselves. Just up to ten sometimes, and Joe Henning. He had potential. If you saw him in FCW, he had potential, and they just wanted to make him something else. Even even something like like Bray Wyatt, he had that in him the whole time. He never had to be Husky Harris, but it, he's he's allowed himself to kind of evolve from there and use that as kind of uh, a chip on his shoulder. So you have that, but he's like the exception to the rule. <laughs> and everybody else, they just seem to botch and. 
I, I don't know about the colognes. I mean, Carlito was one of probably my my favorite of like I, underrated I, talent. I loved him at one stage, like yes. in, in the mid two thousands. I was a big Carlito guy. I, I was a huge Carlito guy. I mean, other than uh, Jesus stabbing John Cena in the nightclub, uh, that was the one misstep that they had of his early push. But other than that, he was great. I, I loved his work with uh, John Cena. I liked when he went over to Monday Night Raw and he had his little partnership with Ric Flair. Carlito could have been so much more. And, you know, WWE in ruthless aggression. There's so many. There's We can have a top 10 list of the talents that they missed on during that era. Yeah, oh, man, easily. And also, like when you say that, it just reminds me of the Flair promo where he lights up Carlito backstage on Raw hard. Like I like to, I, I think it was a shoot. He he goes hard on the guy. Um, so yeah, that's quality, man. But I, like you could have had Collier with the Colognes, and you, you know that 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 would have been a great trio that you could have had on any roster that would have stood in. You know, to put them in with the Usos, man. That'd have been. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. they, they they just overthink it. Sometimes. Like Joe Henning would have been great. Um, you know, Joe Henning for for on that on that note, The Rock when he came back um to face Cena was working out with Joe Henning like that. This is not a you know because of the mr perfect connotations because he's a great worker too like why not play into that stuff i i don't know that's a bugbearer of mine about wrestling sometimes where they want to refuse to me and i said this all along i said this when cody rhodes should have won the money in the bank that sandow won cody rhodes could have been a wwe champion easily easily could have been a wwe champion and it's easy saying that now like well, what we know now, because look what he's proved since he's been away. But I, I believed it then, and I even more firmly do now. Um, they missed the – I don't care what they say. They missed the trick completely on that one. Right, guys, uh, before we get into some more Ultra Chats, and please do keep them coming. We love them so dearly. Um, we are going to get into our debate, and then we will circle back round and answer all Super Chats. So, Matthew McCoskey, before you um, dig me out for not reading your Super Chat, Ultra Chat, it will happen, I promise. But the debate today is about the McMahons. Of have they helped or hindered WWE TV, uh, past and present? Now, I am in the camp of saying that they have helped, and SB3 thinks they have. I don't think he's saying that they've completely hindered, but he's saying that it, they've hurt um, just as much, maybe. So I, I, I will kick us off by saying that history is kind of in my favour. Um, and excuse the conversation a little bit. So I'll just get this out of the way so we can then really talk. Yeah. Austin McMahon probably built WWE to what it is and it ended the Monday Night Wars. So without Vince, and you can say Vince is probably the, he's in the conversation as greatest heel the business has ever seen. He really, he really, really is. So without him, you don't get maybe the biggest star the business has ever seen in Steve Austin. He was getting hot anyway, but. You maybe don't get him at the levels that we got him. Vince is a very, very important part of that history in WWE. Crucial to making many talents. Even The Rock becoming the corporate champion and then, the, you know, the thing spiralled on and then becomes the people's champion. Vince played a very, very big role. And they, like it or not, they are two of, if not the two biggest stars WWE has ever seen. I know you would count Hogan and Cena in that in that breath too. But I would argue they're the two biggest stars that have ever come out of WWE. So without the, without Vince, and we're not talking behind the scenes now, we're talking about Vince the character on screen. We're not talking about Vince booking. Vince the character on screen, giving them the rub, I think he's extremely crucial. Linda hasn't done much on TV but it was pretty cool when she rose from the chair at WrestleMania 17 and um, that whole story. I, I actually think Vince and Shane at Mania 17 is one of the most underrated matches ever. Not it from is. a, you know, and I know people go, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, there wasn't like chain wrestling in 450s, but the the story in that match, there were layers to that stuff with Stephanie hating on Trish and Trish being Vince's bit on the side. Uh, Shane wanted to usurp Vince, the WCW, WWE. There was Mick Foley who was kind of jittered by Vince um, as commissioner the year prior. There was uh, obviously Shane wanted to avenge the way his mother had been treated. There was literally so much going on and they paid it all off in one match. That is so hard to do. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I get it. Like, um, Stephanie is where I'm going to struggle in this argument, I feel. 
because <laughs> she <laughs> she was women's champ in 2000 and didn't really put anyone over to win it uh, after either. Um, the McMahon-Helmsley faction probably served Triple H more than anyone else. You could argue The Rock got a rub out of that, but I don't know if it took him any higher than he was at the time. And, you know, she <laughs> she really liked slapping people. Uh, I don't know if, you know, I, I, I love, like, Stephanie's been nothing but nice to me whenever I've met or spoken to her. And I, I don't think that she's ever meant to bury anyone or anything like that. But I do think making her character so powerful has been difficult for WWE. But what I will say is she really, really, really put over Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. And she did a greater job than people give her credit for. She really did in making Ronda look great. Even the next night where Ronda broke her arm, um, it, she did really, really well. Uh, Shane, again, how many people has he helped on TV? It's more for Shane being on TV because he's like, you know, it's like um, getting his adrenaline fix. It's getting his, he, he, he's always kind of wanted to be a wrestler, much like his dad did, and fulfilling that. Has he put people over? Kind of. Um, Helen Lassell, Kevin Owens, but that's more about Shane's spot than Kevin Owens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the best in the world stuff, the payoff to that was beating Miz a few times. The Miz never actually beat him. Um, I know Kevin Owens was eventually the guy, again, who did put Shane away in a ladder match. I like Shane, though. That's the that's the thing. I enjoy watching Shane. And I feel like, and this is probably the crux of my argument, the McMahons bring something to TV, good or bad, that you can't get from anyone else because of the equity the McMahon name has in the wrestling business. For better or worse, they are, especially Vince, the godfathers of sports entertainment as we know it. The rest of the wrestling landscape is not dictated by, but heavily influenced on whatever happens in WWE and Vince McMahon's mind-boggling brain. Um, so for me, to centralise what I'm trying to say here, all four of them, I think you kind of have to take Linda out of the equation because she hasn't really featured. Are there times where they you don't need them? Sure. Did we need four of them in the corners of WrestleMania 2000? No, not really. <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, but I think when you look at, what each of them have done on screen and brought to the table, like unless we forget someone like Stephanie, we you said it earlier about Randy Orton and Triple H, that started off red hot. A lot of that was because of Stephanie and her yeah. interaction with Randy Orton. She has added to things down the years um, and played her role. You know, I think Rollins putting her through the table at Mania 33. There are count, there are examples where those characters get their comeuppance, which is obviously crucial. But the, the linchpin of this is that the McMahons bring something and a presence to TV that whether you like it or not, when they come out nine times out of ten, all of you will pop because it is them. Yes. I mean, you made you made this very hard because you made a lot of my points for me. <laughs> <laughs> retread, retread, it's fine. I'm sorry. But um the it was like, that was like my eight mile where I was like, I am white. Uh, I do live in a trailer with my mom. <laughs> you definitely you definitely did that. But uh everything you said about Vince was correct. Vince is responsible for a lot of responsible for the popularity of Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. Triple H, Undertaker, Mankind. So the Attitude Era would not be what we remember it as. We wouldn't have debated about the Attitude Era last week if it wasn't for Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, in my eyes, is top two, top one greatest heels of all time. It's definitely no argument there. But that was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> that was almost 20 years ago and i feel like the fact that it was so successful 
Austin McMahon was so successful that it has been a noose around the neck of WWE, and they are trying to recapture lightning in a bottle constantly. When it comes to any authority figure, it seems like they are always trying to retread Austin and McMahon, and they've only successfully done it once with the McMahon family, and that was Daniel Bryan and the authority. That was the only time that they really captured the the crowd participation, the investment of the crowd, and the popularity of a star was with that Daniel Bryan authority uh, storyline. And I think if we go back in time and we would have ended the authority at WrestleMania 30, then your argument is even stronger. But it didn't. The authority, for, for, for better or worse, in my opinion, the authority never eventually put over that, nu- that next big star. They tried to do it with Roman Reigns. It didn't really work. They tried to do it with Seth Rollins. It didn't really work. They tried to do it with Dolph Ziggler. Not really, because they came back like a two months later. But <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm just saying. Like, Shane McMahon... I feel like he was great in the Attitude Era. Uh, I feel like he was just a, the annoying silver spoon uh, son of the owner, and it worked. It worked even when he was gone for nine years, and he came back in 2016, and he became a babyface. He was great on SmackDown for a year and a half, and then they made SmackDown so much about him that he he turned heel way before he had a heel turn to me. <laughs> I was done with Shane, Shane down. I didn't call it SmackDown anymore. It was Shane down live. Can that's, I just, that's- um, can I, I'm, I'm not going to make a counterpoint. I want to actually help exacerbate yours. When do you think it got too much? Do you think that Vince, God and Shane, like had, had that reached the apex of like, hang on now, like that, do they really need to be involved in matches and angles like this now? Where it became too much for me. And I, I have to go back almost 20 years again. The invasion angle, when they made the, the the WWF versus WCW about the McMahon family, that was the start of the downward spiral for the McMahon family, in my opinion, because you didn't need to make it about them. You you could have just had Paul Heyman. It had, it had to be half of them. <laughs> That's part of the battle. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, Shane, you could have had just Shane head up WCW and align himself with Paul Heyman. The injection of Stephanie McMahon was pretty much useless, in my opinion. Like, there was Correct. no need to bring her into that. In so many di- diminishing factors with Stephanie McMahon's character from there. There's the Chris Jericho Triple H feud at WrestleMania 18, where they made Chris Jericho a side act. He was babysitting a dog. As the un- as the undisputed you know, champion, you know what's uh, interesting about that though is Stephanie actually did a lot for Jericho prior yes, to that, yes, right? She did. Like in, in helping getting him really popular and and like him being able to call all the names under the sun, and then they did that where he just like aligned with her and it was terrible. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Like they they were they they for some obscure reason like don't you know don't fix what ain't broken and they really did. It was awful. And then they kept trying to go back to the whole McMahon versus McMahon. Like they got, they got state. That was so good. That was another hindrance on them that the WrestleMania 17, the build up, all the layers to that rivalry, that was so good. And it should have ended the McMahon versus McMahon storyline there. But they kept trying to retread it. We had in 2003, Stephanie versus Vince McMahon at No Mercy 2003. Don't get me started on how many things was wrong with that feud and that match where, 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 where a father is choking his daughter to death. I don't know. And, and Stephanie <laughs> face Lesnar in the build-up. Lest yes. we forget. Oh my God! It's just so <laughs> much bad that has been involved in this. Shane, Shane McMahon was always my favorite, and then I said, like a couple of years ago, they even made me sick of Shane McMahon being on television. And I love Shane outside of the ring, but as a character, it became grating. Even when he was a babyface, they made so much about SmackDown about him. When Daniel Bryan was great as general manager, where you could have you could have had Kevin Owens take out Shane McMahon for a few months and just focused on Kevin Owens going against the general manager Daniel Bryan who's trying to protect his uh his his commissioner his boss they could have done so much with that storyline and it just became more Shane McMahon it just became so grating that they had to turn him uh heel a couple of months later they just don't know when to cut it 
They just don't know when to end McMahon's storylines. That's why they have become a hindrance to the WWE on television more than a positive. It just feels like the heights of 2001 give everyone rose-colored glasses, and we just gotta ignore the last 19 years of how many problems they have caused on WWE television. Before I give you a rebuttal, um, Alan Weinstein says, Alex, you got robbed at Quizzlemania. I, I did. Uh, Roman Reigns, Louis, really uh, need a new partner, Wrestling Daily. Well, I bring that comment up because I'm just saying, I would have SP3, who has been lobbying to be on Quizzlemania, as my partner any day, representing Wrestling Daily. The man knows more about wrestling than anyone I think I know in this Thank day you. and age. Uh, and also, I'm not the only one who thinks that. There you go. Alan wants it too. So, guys, you know what to do. It, it just flood Blompier. I'm yes. telling you that SP3 needs to be coming on with me uh, and we will make that happen again. I will Hashtag say SP3 for Quizzlemania. Hashtag it and tag Adam Blompier on, uh, on Twitter. Yes, I, um, I, I will absolutely... Hashtag that after the show. Um, just to, to circle back to your point, you made some great points. Like you said, there was many, many times where you could have, like, we didn't need Stephanie to be leading ECW. We didn't need that. We could, you know, you, you had Paul Heyman. They brought in Eric Bischoff a year later, and he had a great run as Raw GM. But wouldn't it have been amazing if he was like the head of WCW during that period? There's, there's a lot of different ways they could have gone about it. And it seems that the crutch has always been the family dynamic of the McMahons. And I do think given their place in wrestling law and what they've done, for, especially events like for the business that they do hold a special luster that when they come out, we can't help, but you know, love them. And even Vince doing what he did for Taker at survivor series was cool. Like you can't get that of anyone else. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they, yeah. they maybe they do overkill sometimes, but at the same time, Kevin Owens and Vince McMahon, that was 2016? 2017, I believe. Seven, yeah, was it the run-up to Mania? Or? The, the no. The Hell in a Cell between Shane and uh, Kevin Owens. Correct. I'm trying to think of, like, which where it fit in the year. The yeah. f For me, like, Vince literally was just on that show, one and done, did what he had to do, put Kevin's over, Kevin Owens over huge. No one had done that to Vince in a long time. He was an old man now. Um, so, again, when they get it right, they really get it right. Because, you know, yeah. we have to admit, everyone was talking about Kevin Owens beating up Vince McMahon. That was yeah. like major news for the next few days, basically. Um, so I do think that the McMahons bring more to the table and they've helped more than they've hurt. That's my opinion. Because we're being picky when we're saying we didn't need them here or we didn't need them there. Like, I'm very hard pushed to think, apart from <laughs> the Miz against Shane last year, but I'm very hard pushed to think of one that really just totally hindered like th that's the key word that you used for me that i resonated with like hindered um if if i look at i didn't like stephanie going over brie um but you have to say as well that really did help nikki who actually turned heel there and look what she got yeah. out. could it have been done without stephanie probably but would it have been as impactful and newsworthy i would argue it wouldn't have it would have just been another angle. So, again, you have to say that the star power of the McMahons is real. It is, and it does help. And they have had, they have created a host of great moments that we've touched on here. More in the Attitude Era, for sure. But there are some rare examples like Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens as well. Um, the Roman Reigns one, I admit, failed experiment. But I think the League of Nations played their role in that as well. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they've, they've certainly helped more than they've hurt. I just, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Well, we, if, if we can both be right. They're very important and they, they have given a lot to TV, but at the same time, they don't know when to say stop. And I think for Shane returning, he probably felt like he needed that run. That wasn't really for many, yeah. many anyone else than Shane, I think, which is fine. Like, I, I get it. It doesn't have to just because he's a McMahon not get his time i guess um but the stephanie character other than the ronda rousey and helping nikki bella i will struggle and she did help in the randy orton feud as well but that's that's not a lot as opposed to vincent shane like what they've done through the years um you know what shane did with kurt angle 
at King of the Ring 2001, lest we forget. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like th- there are some matches there where he did a lot for people and he's taken a lot of crazy bumps to put people, you know, the, I guess the argument there is, did he do it to put him over or did he do it just because he's a crazy son of a gun? Um, so my, my feeling is that it, you can't... I, I wish... You can't wish, see their hindrance, but that I get. I, I I just think that they've helped more than they've hindered. That's that's my bottom line. In the, uh, should they be on TV today? You'd probably be right. Not not really. Like, are they needed? I think only in special circumstances, a la Vince and KO. Yeah, I mean, I wish that we would have got more of the two thousand one Shane McMahon who was willing to pit people over, willing to play into the fact that he wasn't a wrestler. In 2016 through uh, 2019, because even when we talk about the the great segment with Kevin Owens and Vince McMahon, we tend to forget that Shane McMahon never put over Kevin Owens clean. It took Sami Zayn helping Kevin Owens to beat him at Hell in a Cell. And then at the end of the feud, Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan beat them and had them thrown off of SmackDown. So... Even though they, Kevin Owens, that was like what, probably the heights of him. Yes, that too. The heights of uh, Kevin Owens in in WWE is probably you could you can probably name that Vince McMahon segment as one of them. He never really got put over to the point that he could have really took that momentum forward because Shane would never put him over. Yeah, truly, I know what you mean. I mean, because he did lose the ladder match and he did lose the Hell in the Cell. But what we remember of the Hell in the Cell. Is Shane McMahon. You don't yes. remember Kevin Owens. Um, and that's the other thing. I, th- I, I do think Kevin Owens' most noteworthy, I was about to say biggest, most noteworthy moment in WWE is the Vince McMahon thing. That, yeah. that, that, that is probably like when you talk about indelible moments, I think it's there. So where are we going to settle up here, SB3? McMahon's, because I, I, I think we've done it again where we've made the question so ranging. Um, <laughs> like, because I, I do agree that in today's WWE that it shouldn't be as frequent or as strongly used. But I mean, you have to remember as well, like Shane and Stephanie are not even the age that Vince was in the Attitude Era, right? Like, so they probably still think that they've got a lot to offer. Um, Whether they do or don't. I mean, and to me, to me, neither of them are Vince. Like Vince is like truly once in a generation heel, in my opinion. Um, so it all depends what they do moving forward. I'll be very interested to see how influential they think they will be after Vince is gone, whenever that sad day comes. Um, but I do think just for the influence that, you know, you, you, I could even make this just Vince, but just for the influence that the McMahons have had on the business and certain characters, um, that you have to say they've helped more than they've hurt. I think, I think if we had this conversation 10 years earlier, then yeah, but it's like, I, if it's if it's not uh, hindered or bad on a uh, bad thing for TV, it's somewhere in the middle because I think that we can name as many good things as bad things now at this point. But can they are the bad as as bad as the good are good? You know, we're talking Austin and, and people like that here. Well, we're never going to hit that those those heights, uh, and I don't think we'll ever bottom out to like put them but out we, of business. But we, <laughs> yeah, but we did because of Vince, is what I'm yes. saying. Like, yeah. so uh, I don't know. We, we can call it a no contest. I'm happy with that because I don't feel like I've got a rubber stamp victory, um, and I feel like both sides have their merit. We're diplomats yeah. here on the Wrestling Daily, so I think go, uh, good points have been made both sides. So I believe that takes us to two to sp3 one to me and two no contest yes two ties there you go well sp3 is still the reigning debate champ and i don't envisage that changing anytime soon um but that was that that is a very interesting topic that you guys are more than welcome to get into with us um the mcmahon's on tv that is a very very i mean the mcmahon's behind the scenes are probably even more interesting but uh I digress. Let's get to the ultra chats that are remaining. We do have a few. Matthew McCoskey, I told you we'd come back to you, my friend. How are you? Uh, hello, good eggs. Hello to you, sir. I have a few things to say, but there's only 255 characters. That's, twi- you know, this is basically my inner Twitter feeling you right now. Uh, Thursday, I have a great hot take for Stephanie. Oh, t- a tease. And Friday, I have a great fantasy booking question. Today, I'll just say... Styles and Mick Farr is going to bang. Um, 
continued from before. With Styles and Drew happening at TLC, what are some predictions for Drew at Mania? There could be Sheamus. That's a story I enjoy. Keith Lee would be enjoyable again. Or even a dark pick would be Adam Cole. There's story there. New Day slash Undisputed Era. Um... We talk, We kind of talked about this earlier, right, SB3? Um, yeah. We feel like that they are going to head to Roman. That seems to be what they are laying into Drew's promos and the way Survivor Series ended. The other options for Drew, if you look across the landscape of Raw, are not that big in terms of a, like a WrestleMania. You'd, you'd be wanting to make someone, and Drew has only really just been made. So it's not, I mean, I would be, I, I would imagine we would see Brock Lesnar return and take on Drew above all else. That That's, I, I think that's more realistic than the options that we've just rattled off there. And before that, I would have said probably AJ. So to me, it's Roman or Brock. That That is pretty much the way I'm looking at Drew for Mania. SB3? Uh, like I said before, I think the story is there for Sheamus. I know... Six months ago, we wouldn't have said Sheamus in a WWE championship feud at WrestleMania, but yeah. they have done this, done well to establish them as friends, to uh, like drop in a little bit of teases along the way. And I really feel like AJ wasn't even supposed to get this shot now because the reports before was supposed to be Braun versus Drew at TLC. So I think AJ yeah. just moved up. We may get Braun at the Royal Rumble, and then we may get the Sheamus feud all the way down the line at WrestleMania. And I, I, I want feuds that are done over a few months for WrestleMania. I yes. think those are the best ones, and I think that they are doing a good job of sprinkling in the little uh, signs of dissension, and they're building it up. And I think they have time to make Sheamus a credible uh, challenge for Drew at WrestleMania. Now, they always say Brock does what Brock wants. Um, yes. And I, I do feel like you could do either Drew or Roman with Brock. That's very yeah. easy to do because, of course, the Paul Heyman connotations that go with Roman. Um, but could you do a freeway there? Because there's so much story. Like, there, there is a there's a hell of a lot you could do. You know, and we have to factor in the Miz and the briefcase and who's going to win the Rumble into all of that, which does make it complex. But I do think Brock Lesnar is somebody who will be lurking for either man. Uh, if not, they, yeah. face, they face each other. Manny, um, the hot Scott is back with a final ultra chat. Thank you so much, guys, for your ultra chats tonight. Who should Thank have you. been the anonymous Raw GM? Well, it would have been a really good way to maybe bring Shane back um, at the time. Obviously, that wasn't in the offing. So... Uh, it would have been really cool, like a way to debut someone. Um, and it's hard to say who it should have been at the time that wouldn't be underwhelming. Like, there's no one that's rushing to my mind. It's like, that would have been genius because it's a very hard, it's a very hard thing to say. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you yeah. know, let's say I'm trying to think who debuted around the time, like, like Seamus, right? Around that time, 2010 ish. I think like a year, yeah, a couple of months before to right. you know, the whole start of that. Could have been Seamus, and then you go, you know, there's an easy way and you, you make it someone who's ultra smart. I don't know. I mean, they've never really portrayed Seamus that way, but I'm just saying that is a way to get the gimmick in there. I do, I think the idea is flawed from the jump. That's that's my opinion. This whole and it's I've said this before. I love WWE when they do mystery storylines, but nine times out of ten, the payoff is awful. I love the ride, but I hardly ever like the ending. Yeah, I mean, there's so many examples of that. Who ran, who ran down Austin, uh, the higher power. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just uh, Kurt Angle's illegitimate son. There's just so many, and they just always try to be shocking and surprise us too many times that it just becomes, uh, it, it whimpers down, down the stretch. I mean, the one that made sense to me and the one I predicted when it was happening was Michael Cole. Michael Cole, they were building up as this heel. And I feel like that would have been a proper payoff to transition him if they wanted to make him that big of a heel. And he was that big of a heel because, well, mostly because he was getting go-away heat. But he... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but if you wanted to make him a character, he needed to get off of commentary, and that was the natural progression. He was the messenger for the the uh, the the anonymous Raw general manager, so it only made sense for him to be revealed as that. And I think that it would have made sense. It wouldn't have been the most shocking thing, but at least it would have made sense. That, that That's what I beg from WWE. You don't always have to shock us. You just have to make sense sometimes. We, we would take solace in logic. <laughs> we really would. Because um, when you actually sit there and think about it, Hornswoggle making all of these matches, like, you know, it, it's just, it stinks of like the day of Vince going, oh, whatever, let's just make your Hornswoggle. It'll be funny. Um, <laughs> terrible. You know, I, I think... Um, Mr. Kennedy was was another one that you know he he was originally penciled in for the illegitimate son yeah. angle, injured, um, had a lot of different problems, and that was another way that they were considering to give him the push again. But ultimately, didn't happen. So I don't miss it, and I don't ever want to have to worry about it again. Uh, so <laughs> there you have it, uh, guys. That brings us to the end of Alex McCarthy's Wrestling Daily with SB3 for Causal Mania. Uh, the man himself, True Hill Heat. Make sure you get that hashtag going, SP3 for Quizzlemania. I will be tagging Adam Blompier after the show. Uh, Louis Dangor will be back tomorrow. Uh, SP3 is in his place for tonight, but they have traded. Uh, it's worth noting the the not this Friday, but the one after. SP3 will be taking Louis's place on the Friday. Look at him. He's getting in. He's getting booked. And uh, Steph Chase, of course, will be here on Thursday as well for the Wednesday Night Wars chat and those piping hot takes. So thank you so much, guys. Really appreciated your ultra chats and all of your great comments tonight. I always appreciate them. Catch up with us on podcast or YouTube. We'll always be there. But until next time, we'll see you later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.